0: praise you. We magnify you. You are worthy. So worthy of all of our glory, all of our honor. You are the lamb that was slain. You're the one that paid the price that we could not pay. We praise you. We magnify you. We thank you for the blood of the lamb, Jesus precious blood. Thank you for the precious blood, spotless blood, shed for our sin, the remission of our sin, to redeem our life. And in that redemption, that justification, forgiveness of sin, you broke all that separated us from you that we might experience righteousness like never before. We might know what it's like to have righteousness reign over our life and bring forth fruit and produce. We're thankful. Holy Spirit, we love you. Thank you for being here, not simply amongst us, but living in us to teach us, to bring revelation to our hearts that Jesus truly is the anointed one our savior our master that in that revelation we might yield to that and the gates of hell cannot prevail over our lives where he is allowed to be the master we thank you for being here as the anointing destroying yokes of bondage have held people back we thank you addictions and worry and stress are broken by the anointing of God for everyone that will receive it no longer living under the power of those things thank you for binding up that which is broken we thank you for paying the debt that we could not pay that we might be free debt free as far as sin is concerned I ask you Holy Spirit put me on like a glove give me the right words to say, help me today. To speak as you'd have me to speak. Give us ears to hear what you're saying that each one would receive from the Holy Spirit of God. Truth and light will bring transformation. And so we do thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives right now. For this dear one, Father, that's been diagnosed, we pray over this quilt, this blanket right now in your presence with the anointing of God right here in our presence to saturate this blanket even as you did in the book of Acts when it was taken to those who were sick demon possessed spirits left them and their bodies were totally healed thank you Father for saturating this blanket when it's laid upon this dear one been inflicted that that disease must leave their body the anointing would go to the very root of that destroy it from the root that it will not only disappear, healing will come but never to return to that body, to this body that will be under this blanket totally made whole In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We speak to those migraine headaches right now in Jesus' name. From the very root, command those to stop stop not partially every bit to stop in their operation once and for all the amazement of being free and living life without them will come will come thank you Lord thank you Lord hallelujah thank you Lord Thank you, Lord. So we glorify you. We magnify you. We give you glory and honor for everything that will be accomplished in every heart and every life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good morning, church. How are you this morning? morning? So good to see you all this morning. I want to welcome you. Praise the Lord. Here you go. I want to welcome you, welcome anybody who's visiting with us today. We are so glad that you are here. We pray for you and with you that uh, something today in the music, in the ministry, the Word of God fellowship with one another uh, will cause you to be blessed, come to an understanding of of what you have need of in God. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that today there will be something said, sung, done that will cause you to know that Jesus is exactly who the Bible says that he is. He's come to save your life, redeem you, wash you from sin, guilt, shame, and bring you into a relationship with him that is divine, everlasting, and better than you could ever hope, dream, ask, or think. So we're so glad that you are with us. And uh, why don't you look at somebody next to you and say, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. And And you can be seated. Praise the Lord. Just again, make this quick announcement that at 6.30 on Wednesday morning at Lazy Bear Restaurant in Newcastle, we're going to have a new men's Bible study, a small group called Man Up. So if you couldn't make the rifle uh, breakfast uh, small group there, then you can, uh, in Newcastle, go to Lazy Bear, get in on that, and um, praise the Lord. That will be awesome. Amen. You don't want to miss the guests that are coming in. Uh, It's for you and be a great blessing to you. And, um, man, this year is going to be full of so much more of what God wants to do in uh, our lives. And it's going to be uh, extremely powerful. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we are, uh, I thought we'd probably wrap up today on our covenant connection series. And, uh, we will in some way, shape, form, or fashion. But I believe the things that God's put on my heart today are very, very important along these lines and <clears throat> to recognize and realize um, the dynamics of them the best that we can. And so, you know, in going through uh, the Covenant Connection series, we uh, have landed on this place. We talked about covenant, we talked about the purpose. Of covenant and the the process of covenant and all the things that had to do with that. We've been talking about attributes of these divine relationships that God has created. There's relationships uh, that you can have all over, but these covenant relationships based on covenant, our covenant with God, our relationship with God understood to be a covenant relationship, not just a, hey, I decided to have a relationship with God, but it's a covenant relationship through the blood of Jesus, that marriage through him. Is a covenant relationship. Uh, that this relationship that we have here is a covenant relationship, and uh, so covenant relationships have been under attack. So many people re-examining a relationship with God. Um, really, as as Brother Rick said last uh, week, if we're not careful, we begin to think lower, and if we insist upon that, you know, making God what we want Him to be. Uh, if we insist on that, he'll give us over to lower thinking, right? Um, right now, even in the church world, you have a 50/50 chance, they say statistically, of remaining married, which was never God's plan. It was an everlasting or as long as you live covenant that you entered into, and then here, you know, the church world, uh, uh, you know, people are they move all over as it suits them, but God divine uh, designed covenant relationships to take place. Uh, which covenant relationships are divinely created bonds. And in a covenant relationship, understanding that life has been given, then everything that belongs to me then belongs to you, and everything that belongs to you belongs to me. Now, that gets us a little wonky uh, in the church, right? But at any time you need be, this is what we read in Acts chapter 5 Right, It doesn't necessarily carry her out. If you understand the history, that they were under great persecution economically, there was a great distress coming upon the church and the people. So what did they do? They knew they had covenants, so they brought all things in common so that everybody had something and nobody had nothing, right? So when we read that, it was like, we should do that in church today. Well, we live in a, a situation where we should watch, take care of the poor, but we don't just need to bring everything into the mix. And besides that, not understanding that if you brought everything and laid it at my feet, some people would be very angry about that. So, um, But still, the point remains that these covenant relationships have really come under attack in, in many situations. And so, uh, as we look at this and, and look at these covenant relationships, number one attribute of that is these divine relationships aren't understood by man they're transcendent in other words they they operate at a higher level God's ways are higher than our ways their thoughts are above our thoughts and so whenever you try to put it into natural thinking you always begin to miss the point because human natural understanding and thinking always brings it down to a lower level Level God's ways are higher. God wants us to ascend in our thinking concerning these relationships, not descend, not come down to what everybody else is doing in the world and how they're handling it. Marriage is one of those things that we've adapted our thinking like the world. And so the statistics of broken marriage are almost exactly the same as those who don't, which means if we're the same as the world, we've lowered our thinking, not raised our thinking right and so even in the church we don't understand well why am i supposed to and who's supposed to and if i gave and nobody else gave and, and you can't understand that you have to understand where god is trying what god is trying to do in our midst of relationship with each other and you can't bring God down to just a human relationship. Many times we try to. We want, we want to personalize it so much, we'll actually get too, too familiar with God. We'll, we'll talk about Jesus in a vernacular like, you know, he's the big JC. Well, he's not the big JC. He's Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, the son of the living God. That's right? right? And God, the man upstairs, he's not the man upstairs. He's the almighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth and everything that in them is. So we're just trying to make an identification. Well if you miss your identification, if you brought him down to simply a human being upstairs, you're never going to get from God what you need. Well people have trouble uh, relating to the almighty. Well listen, if you can't relate to the almighty, you're in big trouble. Because he has related to you. right? And so we see some some things here that we have to understand. These things aren't humanly understood. They're, They're by the Spirit of God revealed to us. So we have to be very sensitive to the Holy Spirit in understanding these relationships so that these relationships can take us somewhere that natural human relationships and understanding cannot take us. And that's what God's design is. The church is to be a mighty force in the world today. The church is to be a mighty force bringing forth an awakening of who God is in his people, right? We can't be fragmented like the world. We can't just be a social group in our understanding like the Kiwanis Club or something else. Those are all great, but they they don't transcend into a higher level like the body of Christ. Anytime they look more powerful than the body, then, then we've got an issue to deal with and raise our standard within the body of Christ right? And so they're transcendent. Number two, there's a chain of authority or, or command or responsibility. As we said last week, there's a chain of responsibility. Why? We don't like that. The world doesn't like that. Our natural thinking doesn't like that. We want to question that. But we see even in the centurion that God, when he gives somebody a place of authority in the home or in the church, it is to bring his word, right? The husband's to wash... The wife with the water of the word, right? And and so we're supposed to do our best to speak the word as ministers, overseers within that chain of response. We're responsible to speak the word. Why? Because the word properly communicated releases the same power as if spoken from heaven. That's how the Centurion got his servant made well. He said, listen, I understand that you're under the authority. And when a command comes to me and goes through me, and it better be accurate, then it goes all the way down and it gets accomplished on the battlefield and we win. But if I decide I'm not passing that on, I'm insubordinate, we have trouble. So anywhere we, we, we endeavor, we think of authority like this, but our authority rests in the word of God and communicating that as accurately as we can and then receiving it, submitting to the word of God. Others submitting to the word of God, so what? So it releases that same power, but as they submit to the word of God, it's planted in their heart. Right? Yeah. And there's a number of things that can disrupt that, like hardness of heart, Like, okay, I will, but then when times get tough, not. Or I'm just way too distracted. It's good, I receive it, but I'm way too distracted. But the one who receives the word and the authority in it, it has the power to produce everything it was created to produce. And that's God's plan because he says, as my word comes down from heaven, just like the rain and snow, it is there to produce what I set forth for it to produce, and it will. Amen. And so there's that chain of responsibility. Instead of simply thinking I'm the boss, no, I'm responsible to convey what I'm hearing in the presence of God. So as ministers in the body, as husbands, I, I have the great responsibility and blessing of being both in my family. I have to spend time with God. I have to spend time asking God. I have to take responsibility when I miss it. Right? Some people think, well, you don't have anybody over you. Well, just be in some of the conversations I'm in when I miss it with the Holy Spirit. And you'll wish you just had me over you or somebody else. You say, well, is he mean? No, he's very direct and he pulls no punches. He's not worried about my feelings. He's more worried about your well-being And mine than my feelings. Hmm? And so as husbands, we also should be in that place. We're more concerned about what God's will is for us. How to convey that than just what we we think we should do. And so then we get into that place. So number three is it has governing uh, uh, rules. Governing rules to every covenant. And our governing rules under the new covenant are love and respect. Love and respect. And I want to hit this this morning from the love side, but if you understand the love side, then you'll also understand the honor and respect side. If you have a little trouble with that, you can just go to Philippians chapter two, where he talks about this love being in you. But then when he talks about the love being in you, he said, let us esteem each other highly, more highly than ourselves. That esteem means to honor, to respect one another even more highly than ourselves, to look out not only for our own interests, but for the interests of each other. So we operate with honor and we operate with respect. When we do that, see, we put this in such a category that like, I get to be the boss, and you're just supposed to reverence me, and I get to be the pastor, and you're just supposed to do whatever I tell you to do, but it's not that way. We take responsibility. We present the word. We allow that to sink into our heart. We respect and honor that, and these two things are spiritual keys to open up what it is that you have need of, right? So we should love one another. We're going to see that. But if I can properly love you and convey the word, see, Jesus said this to every, really to every minister, if you think about it, but he said it to Peter. He said, do you love me? Peter said, yes, I love you. He said, then you feed my sheep. See, lots of times you all want me to go off my job description and just pat your hand, which might be part of it. But my real job description, because I love him and I love you, is to feed you the word of God. And to challenge you with that word of God in your heart. Yes. And to challenge you to grow by the sincere milk of the word of God. And then to help you grow in that, not just make you feel good about where you're at. Thank you for your enthusiasm. <laughs> but see, in our comma, day to day, we think, well, that's not love. And to try to guide and fit people in their place is God's design. Many people leave church just because they don't get it their way. But even leadership's role is not to let you just have your way, but to have God's way. To grow each person in the way that they should go. So it's a greater responsibility. If you don't have it, then many may know and many may see. Right? And so uh, as we talk about this, this, this love and respect. Really, that, that respect, you know, I saw this many years ago, that that respect, that just that, that humbling yourself to give uh, uh, honor and respect to an office is a key to opening up what's in that person that you need. Where you say, well, until they love me, I'm not going to respect them. But you might have the key to them loving you by respecting them. Well, I'm not going to love them till they respect me. Well, you loving them might be the key to opening up that respect that you need. But we're really not just trying to play this game of how do I get from you what I need and you get from me what I need, but we're looking to the key to open up what's virtually in every person, the gifts, to bring a fullness. You know, I saw this one time uh, when we were studying his needs, her needs, and he was talking about the love bank, and I'm getting off track and I'll need to get to the message pretty quick, but the love bank and how you fill the love bank, and you make so many deposits according to the needs of your spouse, and then you can withdraw. And I'm like, okay. So I put in to get out. But I found out pretty quickly that if, as much as I was putting in, I was going back to withdraw. And I found out somebody was stealing my deposits. <laughs> now, so that bank analogy is pretty good until you find out somebody's stealing your deposits. And you don't have any bank officer that's going to uh, rule over that. I found out I could deposit. And my girls were making withdrawals. The church was making withdrawals. Sometimes it could have been the person at the grocery store having a bad day, making a withdrawal. And so I'm like, here, I'm going to take this. And God said, well, you should just deposit it enough, not so you can take out, but so she can continue to give to others. Huh. All of a sudden now it gets beyond selfishness, just making sure there's enough for me to get back. But making enough for her to be what God called her to be, right? Praise the Lord. Lest you think I have done amazing at that, uh, I haven't. (laughs) And so I'm with the apostle Paul, not that I have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting what's behind me and pressing towards what's ahead, pressing towards the prize of the mark of the high calling. What was he talking about? He was saying, listen, I've not yet gotten a hold of what's gotten a hold of me. What got a hold of him, the love of God got a hold of him. He said, I'm trying to love God in the same way that he loves me because when I do, and I forget all the wounds, I forget all the hurts, I forget all the mistakes, I forget all of that, I can now look forward to becoming like him. When I embrace his love, instead of embracing the guilt and the shame of sin, instead of embracing my wounds, instead of embracing my hurts, So many people keep embracing their past and their wounds and their hurts and saying that's my story but the story is a testimony of healing and strength and being put back together. It's not a story that we return to the hurt. It's saying listen I'm past that and I'm healed by the power of God and the blood of Jesus. My testimony says I was hurt but now I'm healed and so I don't ever have to go back to the hurt. I can look from the healing to the future that he's created for me. And it's a place of freedom and liberty from the wounds and the hurt of the past. And society's trying to keep you on your wounds, keep you on your hurt, keep you on your scars. And God says, as long as you stay there, you'll never be released into your future. But the moment you understand the love of God, you don't have to try to get past all that once you embrace the love of God. The love of God moves into every wound, every scar, every hurt, every infliction upon your life, every mistake you've ever made. It goes into the guilt and the shame that you feel for the mistakes, and it floods it all with God himself and with his love. And when you see that and you understand that, the wounds are gone, the scars are gone, the guilt's gone, the shame's gone. And now the past is a distant memory, and the future is bright. And the future is a hope of becoming everything he created you to be. Becoming just like him, a child of the most high God. So love is a very important thing, and we may talk about it, and I don't want you to just shut off because, oh yeah, the love of God, I know about the love of God, because I believe God has something to say to us today, and it was so important and vitally important to the apostle Paul. It was part of his regular prayer life that he wouldn't stop praying concerning the love of God for them. Ephesians chapter three, starting in verse 14, he says, for this reason, I bow my knee to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named, that covenant family, that covenant relationship, that he would grant you according to the riches of his, of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all That you ever ask, hope, dreamed, or thought. Paul was praying for them. He says, For this reason, I bow my knee. I continue to bow my knee, that you might have a revelation and understanding, a quickening in your heart by the Holy Spirit of the love of God, and it's multifaceted aspects that goes beyond what you can know in your mind. It goes simply to experiencing the love of God as Jesus comes into your heart by the Holy Spirit, a working of the Holy Spirit, not in your brain, not in your emotions, but down in your heart, the working of the Spirit of God to cause you to be transformed and changed. And when he can get you to leave your past behind, he can look and cause you to look and see your future. And see that your future is bright. And once we embrace him, it says embracing all the fullness of God. The fullness of God. In the love of God, you begin to realize, I lack no good thing. I lack no good thing. How many times do you think, if I just had something else, if I just could? How many times have you said, I would love them, I would give to them, if I just had enough time, if I just wasn't all poured out, if I just was. If I just wasn't hadn't already spent myself on something else? And there is an aspect of of rest. But really, he said, I've filled you with all my fullness. I've filled you with all that I am and all that I have through this covenant that I never intended for you to lack any good thing. I never intended for your lack and a demand on your life to say, I can't because I'm lacking. I'm just not full enough. I just don't have enough. God says, you're filled with the fullness of who I am. What do you mean you don't have enough? You have more than enough. Enough. We just haven't understood where to spend it and who to spend it on. Because we're spending a lot of time helping people because of how it helps us instead of how it helps them. And you will become exhausted when your motive isn't correct, when you're just trying to do something to be recognized and noticed and to make you something, you'll wear yourself out because God's not in it. But through his love, he will energize you and give you the capacity to go deeper with him, higher than you've ever known, and to reach out farther and to more people than you ever dreamed possible. Amen. And so we have to come to this place of knowing the love of God that goes beyond simply intellect And whether or not I have enough, but to know and experience what he's done for us and his love for us and how transforming it is for our life. To know the love of Christ that passes knowledge, that we might truly not just know that we are loved, which is an amazing experience to know that you are loved by God. That you're the beloved, but it goes to another height and another place when not only have you known that you are loved, but you've experienced that love. Oh, I know I'm forgiven. Then why are we still so bound? Why are we going backwards to our things? If we know we're forgiven, we're washed, then we experience, I'm forgiven, I'm washed, and I'm cleansed. I no longer am carrying anything that was of sin and of damage that sin did to me. I am carrying the very Holy Spirit of God, and I'm made free. And I'm filled with all the fullness of God. And because of that, I'm no longer just wondering if I am loved or saying that I am loved, but I've experienced love to the degree that everything else is washed out and I'm filled to overflowing that I might show love to somebody else. And that is even a greater experience than simply knowing you're loved by God, but to be able to express his love that he loved you with to somebody who has not known that love. It's powerful. And this we overlook many times because we think, wow, we need need the manifestations of the Spirit. We need a little bit more faith. We need stuff. But it is in this love that faith has its active expression. It's not by works of the flesh, but faith that worketh by love. And all the manifestations and gifts of the Holy Spirit, Paul said, without love, they're unprofitable, they're meaningless, and they do nothing for your personality. For everything that we're looking for, love is the key to it. Not human love, but this love expressed and given by God through Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, starting verse 9, he says, In this I pray that your love, your agape, may abound still more and more in all knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent and be sincere and without offense until the day of Jesus Christ. Being filled with all the fruit of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the praise and the glory of God the Father. See, Paul prayed these things. He said, love has the power to cause you to be discerning and knowledgeable about the things that are necessary and excellent so that you could bring forth fruit of what? Righteousness, of proper relationship, a produce of this relationship and the depth of it with God, a different fruit that it manifests from that relationship with him. Praise the Lord. And so, uh, based on last week, not that I could ever carry on or was planning to carry on a message from Brother Rick. It just happened to fall right into this place. But because we're living in the last of the last days, and because of the word that he brought, the Spirit of God brought to us. On January 31st, about the turbulent times in this year or the tumultuous times in this year that would take place. But the church would navigate these times through the understanding of giving our hearts to God and navigating by the word of God and that faith works by love. Here in Mar- uh, Matthew chapter 24, Jesus says this, talking about the last days. And he said, Then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Because lawlessness will abound, because of the situations around us, because of what the world is doing. We could put it into this package because of the years that I've been married and what my husband or my wife has done that I haven't been able to get over or or what some church member has done or what the pastor has said or done. There's going to always be chance to be offended and say that was wrong and allow your love to grow cold. And you just look at both sides. I was just flipping through my phone, which I hardly ever do on a Sunday. Um, I just happened to be looking at that and somebody posted this thing about pastors that four to 5,000 pastors are quitting every single year. Not because they don't have faith, not because they don't believe that they're called, but because of the emotional and mental exhaustion. And then it goes on to talk about all the things that pastors deal with. Which, you know, I read that, and you know, as a pastor, I could go, woo, write more. But don't you think it's funny that I could write that and pastors being abused by the flock? But then how many church members are leaving the church because they're abused by leadership It's a strategy of the enemy, and we could all go, I don't care anymore, and let our love wax cold, but now is not the time to let our love wax cold. Now is the time for the church to rise up and mend the things that have been broken by the power of the Holy Spirit, and to walk in the love of God knowing, first of all, the primary source of that love is that relationship with God. Our family relationships to be restored by the love of God and to understand that love. And these relationships here to be bound by the covenant love that God has for us. So as we look at this and we begin to understand a few things about this love, and it isn't ordinary love, it's covenant love that God has for us. So as we look at this love and we begin to understand it, there are two in the Old Testament, it is a word hased. Uh, which speaks of this covenant love. And in the New Testament, it's agape, and they almost parallel each other. They have both those words in Greek and in Hebrew. The writers always say it's very difficult to explain the definition of these words and translate it into English because they are so vast in their meaning and what they say. And so the 136th Psalm, turn over to the 136th Psalm, Hopefully you have your Bible with you. You know, you should bring your Bible every time and not count on the words on the screen because you never know what might happen in technology. But listen to this, the 136th Psalm it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he's good and his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of Lords for his mercy endures to forever. To him alone does great wonders for his mercy endures forever to him who by wisdom made the heavens for his mercy endures forever, to him who laid out the earth Above the waters, for his mercy endures forever. To him who made great lights, for his mercy endures forever. To the sun to rule by day, for his mercy endures forever. The moon to rule by night, for his mercy endures forever. To him who struck Egypt in their firstborn, for his mercy endures forever. And brought out Israel among them, for his mercy endures forever. With strong hand and with an outstretched arm, for his mercy endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea, for his mercy endures forever. And made Israel pass through the midst, for his mercy endures forever. Who overthrew Pharaoh, because his mercy endures forever. Anyway. And they really talk about their whole history in this psalm. Because his mercy endures forever. If you read that, go, man, isn't God a nice guy? He's so merciful. But that word mercy is hased. Hased. There's a number of different spellings. You'll have to look it up. But the one I have is H-E-S-E-D. Hased. So what it really says over and over is, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his covenant love endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods for he is good and his covenant love endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords for his covenant love endures forever. So it says, listen, they, they went out praising, they sent the armies out, In uh, uh, Chronicles, they sent the armies out, and they just sang that. The Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. The Lord, he is good, and his mercy endures forever. The Lord, he is good, and his covenant love for us endures forever. And when they arrived at the enemy's camp, the enemy had confounded themselves and defeated themselves before they ever got there. Why? Because God is good, and he has a covenant to protect them and his covenant love endures forever. The declaration of God's covenant love for us and understanding will defeat and cause you to break through and win and be victorious. Amen. So here's, I'm going to read to you um, a couple of things here, but this is um, a few different writings on the word hased. Hased is not just a feeling, but an action it intervenes on behalf of loved ones and comes to their rescue. Hasid is not a romantic infatuation kind of love. It is a faithful, reliable love. When a wife prays for years for her husband to know God, that's Hasid. It's a parent's loving and caring for their autistic child, that's Hased. Hasid is faithful, it is loyal, and Hased is love put to action. And most importantly, Hasid is the unfailing love that God has for you. Hasid is one of the most fundamental characteristics of God, consistent with what we know about his covenantal nature. Has is wrapping up in itself all the positive attributes of God love, covenant, faithfulness, mercy, grace, kindness, loyalty, in short, acts of devotion and loving kindness that go beyond the requirements of duty. Has normally Has describes something that happens within an existing relationship, whether between two human beings or between God and man. In human relationships, "hased" implies loving our neighbor, not merely in terms of warm emotional feelings, but in acts of love and service that we owe to the other person simply because he is part of the covenant community. God's people are to do justly to love Hasid and to work humbly with their God. That's Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Similarly, Hasid can describe loyalty to one's obligation to God. This includes faithful act, actions towards other members of the covenant community. For how can we say that we love our covenant Lord if we ignore his command to love our fellow uh, members of the covenant community. The person who is Hased is loyal to his God, and appeals to the Lord to show him similarly, similar faithfulness in return. The name Hasidim has thus been ascribed to the strictest Jew in contemporary Judaism. Yet the most precious use of the word chesed in the Old Testament is as a description of what God does. Having entered a covenant relationship with his people, God bound himself to act towards them in certain ways, and he is utterly faithful to his self-commitment. See, sometimes even in faith we're crying out, oh man, I just need Help. But when we read in the New Testament, when we read in the Gospels, like the two blind men, blind Bartimaeus, when they cried out to Jesus, Jesus has this crowd all around him and he's walking and he yells, he cries out, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped in his tracks. Everybody else was saying, you be quiet, you be quiet. You're a blind man. You you have no right to be here. The blind Bartimaeus, he cried out, and he said something that stopped Jesus. He said, I know who you are, and I know the covenant that you have with me, and I know the covenant love that you must show to me. He said, Son of David, have chesed on me. And Jesus stopped in his tracks and he called him and he said, what is it that you want? Covenant partner. If we understood covenant, we honored covenant, we would call on the agape, the said of God in any situation and overcome. That love that passes knowledge. Instead of running love through our brain and how we feel and emotionally about situations, we begin to embrace the love that has embraced us, the love that has filled our heart, the unconditional love of God, the acting love of God that always reaches out towards others, the sacrificial love that doesn't take account of itself, but it takes account of others. And there's a place where we understand that. We understand that when somebody calls upon us, as a covenant partner, we are self-sacrificial and we give ourselves to that. Even so, we understand that if we have that love in us, it came from him who must stop in his tracks when we call upon that said, Vitally important. Everything works by and through this love of God. We want to see revival. We want to see the gifts of the spirit. We want to operate in them, but he says you have to be careful of how you're going to operate in the power of God without the love of God. Because you may see great things on the outside, but not really see the profit of the end intent. Lives being changed for the kingdom of God. Turn over to 1 John. First John chapter 4 and verse 7. Many of you know this scripture already, but it says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who is, loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. I want to read to you from Kenneth Weiss' Greek word study on these two scriptures. It says, Beloved, that word beloved that he talks about means divinely loved ones. That is beloved ones, loved by God. So he's talking about people who are beloved. If you've read Addison Bevere's uh, book on prayer, he brings out, you know, we, we talk about that, but uh, you know, uh, who Jesus is, but he said really what God named Jesus was beloved. When he came up out of the baptism, he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased." And so he knew I'm beloved of God. I have a covenant with God. And because I'm beloved by God, and and I have that that relationship with God, my covenant is with him. So he says, "You're, you're not just loved by God like you're loved by somebody else. He agapes you. He unconditionally loves you. He covenant. He loves you with a covenant love. He says, those who are loved by God should love one another. The love with which children of God should love one another is the agape love, which God is in his nature. The love which is produced by the Holy Spirit. Again, think about that. Write that down. The love that is produced by the Holy Spirit, not by your emotions, not by what you can think up. Love produced by the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. In the heart of the yielded saint, the love which was seen in action at the cross. And the love whose constituent elements are defined for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I was to give you an assignment to move forward in this, it would be 1 Corinthians 13, not out of the King James or the New King James, out of the Amplified, the Passion, to begin to look at different translations and look at all the elements, the constituent elements of the love of God because this is the love that he's talking about. He's not talking about human emotional love. He's talking about love that takes no account of a wrong done to it. He's talking about a love that's not boastful or proud. He's talking about a love that is patient and kind. He's talking about a love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. He's talking about an unfailing love The exhortation is in the present subjunctive, which speaks of continuous action. Now listen, open your ears. The translation reads, let us be habitually, habitually loving one another. The words one another are a reciprocal pronoun in the Greek text. There should be reciprocity in the exercise of this love. Everyone who habitually loves is born of God is born is a perfect tense in the Greek text, literally has been begotten with the present result that that person is a child of God. The new birth is a permanent thing. A child of God remains a child forever. Now listen to this. The one who is not habitually loving knoweth not God. Knoweth is in the aorist tense in the Greek text. Literally means did not know, did not know God. He never, Vincent says, he never knew. Smith's translation says, did not get to know God. The verb in in, in ingressive aorist referring to entrance into new, a new condition. So, in other words, somebody who is not habitually loving never did know God. Like, well, I'm born again. He said, wait a minute. If you never knew God how are you gonna be born of God see if you knew God if you were born of God his love was should have brought in your heart by the Holy Spirit as a matter of your new creation so Jesus said this in Matthew he said they'll come to me and they say wait a minute Didn't we do miracles in your name? Didn't we cast out devils in your name? Didn't we uh, do all these things in your name? And he said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. We can crave the power of God and not the love of God. And just because we see a miracle doesn't mean that we know or love the person we did the miracle for. So for breakthrough in in a, a perverse and crooked generation, we need to develop... understanding of the love of God Peter said it like this he said God's divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him experiential knowledge so people are looking to access what they need for life yet this love idea is still just human emotional love instead of the depth of what God has done in us through the new birth as to the statement, God is love, we would suggest that, the simple, uh, that, simply, that simply is not true. God is not an abstract. The word God has the article, the word love does not, which construction in the Greek means that the two words are not interchangeable. The absence of the article emphasizes nature, essence, or character. The translation would read, God as to his nature is love. That is, God is a loving God it is his nature to be loving which then brings us understanding in second Peter he says he has made us to partake of his divine nature substituting divine nature of which love is a part of that divine nature for the old sinful nature that had hatred and selfishness at its core So back to First John chapter four. Stay with me just for a couple of seconds, for a couple minutes. Seconds would be way too short. Um, verse nine: In this, the love of God was manifest. Or in in this love, in this love, we we say, "Does God love me? Do I? How do I know God loves me? All this bad stuff happening. This is how you know. In this, the love of God was manifest towards us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He said, this is how you know God loves you. God sent Jesus. The only thing that could placate, the only thing that could take care of the sin and the division between God and man was the life given, the spotless blood. And he loved you so much that he sent his only son. He sent him off, the Bible says, he sent him away from himself, To pay the price for our sin so that justice could be met and mercy could triumph over judgment has said love over judgment it was a necessity verse 11 but if God so loved us we also ought to love one another no one has ever seen God at any time if we love one another God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son As Savior of the world Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God abides in him and he in God And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. He who abides in love abides in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been perfected in love. We love him because he first loved us. Going to go back to Verse 11, again, the Greek word study, he breaks off here. He says, so, so is this word hutos and refers back to the act of God sending off his son to become the expiatory sacrifice for our sin. It was an act of infinite love and infinite sacrifice, not only in the part of the son on the cross, but on the part of the father who sent the son the heart of the father was pierced when sin was laid on the son at the cross and his holiness demanded that he abandon the son in the same manner to the same extent John says that the saints have a moral obligation to be constantly loving one another the infinitive to love is present tense in Greek, speaking of continuous action. The if, it's really not a question, is a particle of a fulfilled condition and should be since. Or in view of the fact, we ought to, that word ought is a fellow, which speaks of moral obligation. He said, if you've received what Jesus Christ has done for you in the sacrificial covenant love that he's bestowed upon you, then you also and I should continually love one another as a moral obligation since he led the way and did that for us in the same manner. And he said, love is perfected in this That We continually love one another this continual action of loving one another continually moving at it He says there'll come a place where you understand that all of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ But he said this perfect love this development of this love gives us boldness on that day of judgment How do we know that he's because we've come to the point of? Continuously loving people in our lives. We've continuously continued to love God to love our family to love the church family to love people outside it's continual how does it become continual because as he is so are we we have received the very life of God and it because because he gave it for us to have life and we received it by saying yes to Jesus and the blood that he shed for me he said when you said yes my Holy Spirit came to live in you. And when he came to live in you. The love. My love. The agape. The hased of God. Was shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. To begin to be completed. And matured by him. And when you can continually. Without excuse. By obligation to him. Continually love him. Continually love your spouse. Continually love your family. Continue to love your brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter what's going on. He says, you'll have boldness to stand there in the day of judgment, because you've become like him. He said, if you have fear of judgment, because I keep messing up, I keep not liking people, I keep being selfish. He said, that fear will torment you. Judgment is not supposed to be a fearful day. But if you don't continuously love, and I don't continuously love, it will be a fearful day because love has not been perfected in us. So, that's a big order. If you're trying to do it. But as he said in the beginning, if you're yielded, and I'm yielded to the Holy Spirit, we're going to navigate tumultuous times in 2024. If you listen to last week's message, people it'll seem are going to grow worse and worse lawlessness is on the rise and the whole attempt for the body of Christ is to get your love and my love to wax cold in marriages controversy and the ability to get out of that at any place then you spend some years together and you develop and you build resentment and you build that and your love for that person grows cold It ought not to be so. We experience different giftings and different personalities in the church bumping against one another, and we allow, if we're not careful, that to cause our love to wax cold. God says, I'm doing something in the church today to bring a revelation and understanding of what I have actually done for you, not to give you a ticket to heaven, but to transform your life from the inside out and the very nature of that new life is my hased my agape love and if my people will understand and begin to embrace and allow the Holy Spirit of God to develop that Hussed love, that there will be a continual love one for another, and the church will grow, and the relationships will grow, and the, 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 the power of God, and the gifts of the man, and manifestations of the Spirit will become more prevalent within the body in this day and this hour. For there will be a loving of one another that has not been seen for generations. Simply in the yielding to the Holy Spirit and the love of God so in times past when the love of God has been taught the church has sat back and said hmm and immediately figured out all of the people in the church who are not loving this is not a message to look at anyone else For it's you and I that will be accountable on that day of judgment To know that as He is, so are we in this world. So, as I said in the first service, I believe it's a time of renting our heart, opening it up to God, and saying, I haven't loved you as I ought to have loved you, haven't honored you, put you first. For husbands to look at their wives, Say, I haven't loved you like I should have loved you. For leaders, for me, I said it in the first service. I apologize for not loving like I should have loved you. There's so much more. Thought I was. But there's so much more. So much more often. Feeding the sheep. The love of God goes so much deeper, so much higher, so much wider, so much longer than we ever dreamed possible. Unconsciously, we've allowed our hearts to grow cold because of situations that we substantiated. We we allowed to be excuses because it hurt, because it was wrong. We allowed the enemy to gain an advantage by letting our love wax cold. But today, I believe God is saying, stop that. Turn the defrost on. Come to the Holy Spirit and say, listen, I've gone through some weather. I've gone through some storms with some people. The ground of my heart has become fallow. It's become hardened. Holy Spirit, I'll yield to you come and break up the fallow ground of my heart take out of me a stony heart and put in me a heart of flesh that I might continuously love others as you have loved me man God is good his covenant love endures forever Thank God. He's always loved us. He's always loved sinners, no matter the mistake. He was so compelled by that love that he sent Jesus to die for every single person in the world. Father, we thank you for the covenant that we have with you. Help us to see and understand in a greater measure the love that you showed towards us when you sent Jesus. To know that when we accepted that, we didn't just accept a fast ticket out of this life when we leave this life to heaven, but we received a brand new nature because we lost the old one in the acceptance of you. Sin was broken we accepted you, we accepted your spirit on the inside of us. We became engrafted That your very life, your very DNA. Your nature which you tell us in your word is love. Now is our nature to be understood and developed. So give us wisdom and revelation, Holy Spirit concerning the love of God that we might know it and understand it more deeply than ever before. And in understanding it, we might continuously show it towards others. Help us to know it's not an emotional love. It's a love that holds us accountable to the relationship, holds us accountable to the struggle, holds us accountable to the word and comes out enduring love, no matter what the situation or the circumstance. Strengthen us with mighty power in our inner man, Holy Spirit. And we might re- recognize truly that Christ dwells in our hearts through faith. that We might be rooted and grounded in the love of God. Make us able to comprehend the depth, the breadth, the height, and the length of it. For every person, for that person that may walk out of here today going, big deal, strike their heart to know what a big deal it is. That we would take it seriously today. Not just having heard someone speak, but I pray, Holy Spirit, that you are speaking to every heart and every life. Every heart, every life. Every heart, every life. Revealing your love. Every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you don't know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. You don't know this love. It's such a boundless love. The world would like to say if you accept Jesus, it's because you're afraid of going to hell. But really, we accept Jesus because he's the only one that can cleanse us of sin and bring us into the depth of relationship that God intended from the very beginning. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just slip your hand up. I want to pray with you. Simple prayer that from your heart right now, you can ask him into your heart, and he'll come in by the Spirit, and he'll bring that love on the inside of you. Begin to develop it so that you can go farther, higher, deeper, wider in your life than you ever dreamed possible. Anybody at all, just slip your hand up. I want to leave. Without taking this opportunity. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, why don't you look up here? Why don't you stand up? <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Hope you receive something from that today. Praise God. Say this we go What God did in Christ Jesus? Bark seeds. Any damage done to me? By Adam's Fall, you can be dismissed. Make it a great day. We'll see you at 6 o'clock tonight.